0: Let's pray as we uh, stand, shall we? Lord God, we praise you that uh, you are a speaking God. You haven't hidden yourself away. You uh, have made yourself known through the Lord Jesus and through your written word. And we pray that just as you spoke to uh, Moses uh, in our reading, so you would speak to us today to encourage us, to challenge us, uh, that we might serve you in the way uh, that you would have us go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you please uh, take a seat and uh, welcome uh, to you from uh, from me, my Margaret's welcome. It's great to have you with us. My name is Will. I'm the minister at the moment at uh, Holy Trinity. Uh, If you've been at Holy Trinity for any length of time at all, you'll know that we're quite fond of running courses. Uh, Some of the courses, I'll be honest, are better than others. Uh, One of the courses I think that is particularly useful, and it's one that we've uh, been running for a couple of years now, is the uh, CPAS Growing Leaders um, course. Uh, Growing Leaders is a kind of year-long opportunity uh, for people to grow as leaders um, in in the church and to help others to grow as well. It says it's a leadership course. Really, it's a discipleship course, because leadership comes uh, from our walk uh, with the Lord's. Uh, it opens with a very fascinating exercise. So, the first thing that p- participants are asked to do is to uh, sort of draw a picture or write some words of what comes into their mind when they first hear the word leader. And you can imagine what people tend to, to put down. It's sort of, you know, these strong alpha male types, uh, you know, strong, powerful, clear, decisive, all those kind of, uh, kind of things. The second part of the exercise ask them to sketch out or think of somebody who has been particularly influential on them as a leader. And the contrast is striking. Because I don't think I've ever run the course or been across a case where someone has actually put somebody who would have matched up with what they'd first uh, put in the first part of the answer. It's almost always been people who would not conform to our uh, image or our imaginations of what a leader looks like. Uh, Picture, isn't it, of a strong, uh, dominant, alpha male leader? That's pretty hardwired, isn't it, into into our culture and into our consciousness. And yet, it falls down so often in our experience. Leaders aren't like that. And that's true, actually, of the Bible as well. Because the picture that the Bible holds up of leaders is often very different to that that we would imagine. Uh, The Bible is full of examples of people... Uh, who the world would have looked at and said they could never have been leaders. And yet they were the people that God graciously called uh, to serve him. Uh, Phil helpfully introduced our our reading for us just to give us some context. Uh, We are in Exodus and we're sort of exploring, we're in that stage in the Exodus story where uh, God is calling Moses to the task of leading God's people out of slavery in Egypt. And our reading kind of picks up in the middle of a conversation between Moses and God. And I think in this chapter, we see God overcoming two pretty significant obstacles, or as they would seem to be obstacles, uh, if Moses is going to serve him. And the first uh, one is this. Uh, We see God overcoming uh, a doubting leader, a doubting leader, so last week, uh, if you were with us, you'll, um, uh, you'll remember that we saw Moses at the burning bush encountering God, uh, and he was already making excuses uh, for his weakness. Uh, and we have another one, don't we, in the first verse of our chapter. Uh, there are three more excuses uh, dotted through this chapter, and I want to have a look at them uh, in turn. Uh, my guess is, as we were reading that passage... Uh, Some of us found ourselves identifying with different excuses. I know I did as I've been preparing it this week. So I think they'll be quite familiar for us. What's the first excuse that Moses offers? Well, the first excuse is in verse 1. He doubts that he will be able to convince anybody at all. What does he say, verse 1? What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Uh, Moses doesn't believe that anything that he could possibly say... Uh, will be able to convince people that he's encountered God and uh, been told to serve him. He just doesn't believe it. He won't be able to convince them. Now, in his defense, he does have a bit of a track record here. (laughs) Uh, Back in chapter 2, which in the sort of chronology of Exodus Exodus is about 40 years before, uh, he tried this and it had gone wrong. He tried to deliver Israel from slavery. He'd sort of had this this first hint that he was going to be called as a leader, But it had all gone pretty wrong, and he'd left his tail between his legs. Uh, As far as Moses is concerned, why should things be any different 40 years on? He's been, he's tried, he's been found wanting. Uh, Surely he's just a failure. He's got no hope of convincing anybody of anything. Why should this time be any different? But God isn't so despairing, is he? And we can see that from verse 2. God's response, however, is to graciously give Moses three dramatic signs to show that he is God and that he has great power uh, over his enemies. So we've got the staff, haven't we, that turns into a snake. Uh, We've got the hand that when he puts it inside his cloak or his jacket, you know, it turns leprous, comes out again, and and so on, it comes back again. Uh, We've got the the water that turns out to blood. Now, in themselves, they're pretty dramatic signs, aren't they? There's actually a bit of a deeper significance to them. Uh, Each of those three areas... Was a, an area that was very strongly associated with ancient Egypt. Uh, so the snake, for example, was the royal symbol that the pharaohs had on their on the on the front of their crowns. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the 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 they were known as quite an unhealthy nation. Leprosy was a massive fear uh, for the Egyptians. It was something that they were they were terrified of. A sort of leprosy epidemic breaking out. Uh, the Nile was the place where they got most of their prosperity from. The Nile flowing through, and, uh, and that was the, the, the place where all the economic prosperity uh, came from industry and, and, and life on, on, on the Nile. So from, for God to demonstrate his power in this way is saying something very powerful about God's power, isn't it? Uh, compared to Egypt, and Egypt's the world's superpower at the moment, actually, really, even God is far more powerful than the Egyptians uh, could possibly be. He's the one who holds the ultimate power in this world. That should have been a great encouragement, I think, to Moses, but it's not, is it? Moses is still unconvinced. Uh, His second doubt surrounds his conversation, uh, or rather his lack of it. Uh, Verse 10, he says, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you've spoken to your servants. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Now, we can't really be sure exactly What Moses meant when he said this Uh, because after all he preaches plenty of sermons he gives plenty of speeches uh, throughout the book of exodus with apparently no problems at all Uh, so uh, people don't really quite know what he was talking about here but we don't know maybe he was simply nervous Um, he didn't like the idea of public speaking for example, maybe he didn't think he could speak for God, he wouldn't be alone on that would he Um, apparently I've been told that most people fear speaking in public more than they fear death which is uh, quite an astonishing uh, thing to think about I think Uh, it's not true for me, it has to be said Um, you'll be relieved to know Maybe he had a speech impediment uh, or something like that. Uh, maybe because he'd grown up in Egypt, he wasn't very convinced about his Hebrew. It was sort of holiday-quality Hebrew. He could order a beer or something or a, or a steak and, uh, and chips, but that was about as far as it went. The thought of uh, speaking convincingly to God's people uh, was, uh, was beyond him. Whatever the, the reason, we don't know. Uh, clearly, he doubted his ability, didn't he, to speak on God's behalf. God's response is an interesting response, isn't it? Because it's twofold. It's a two-part response. Uh, Moses' complaints are both irreverent and irrelevant, if I could put it like that. Irreverent and irrelevant. Uh, why are they irreverent? Well, they're irreverent because they cast doubt on the ability of God to choose people for his service and to fashion them for his good pleasure. So God says, doesn't he, in verse 11, he says, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Uh, Anyone who has any gifts at all, they they, they have those gifts simply because of the good pleasure of God and his kindness. It's not because of their own intrinsic worth, necessarily. It comes from God. Uh, God is the one who chooses to use people, and he equips them as, uh, as, uh, as he sees fit. But they're also irrelevant, aren't they? Because uh, God tells Moses that actually he's not going to be on his own anyway. Verse 12, now go, I will help you speak and will teach you uh, what to say. Uh, It's never God's way to call somebody to a task and then just to disappear and abandon them. It's not how it works. Uh, Just as, as God always promised, he promised his disciples Uh, he will be with us. He said that, didn't he? Jesus said just as he he, uh, he left us and he gave the disciples the Great Commission, he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's always been true. God doesn't just send us off on a task and then abandon us. Uh, He gives us uh, his Holy Spirit to be inside us, to empower us, to uh, to make us bold, to remind us of all that uh, he has taught us uh, in order that we can pass it on. Uh, He is with us. We need never doubt God's faithfulness. Uh, when he calls, he always uh, equips us. And yet, even with all that, Moses still uh, doubts. And, and the last doubt really is, well, there's not really any way of justifying is it? It's a blatant lack of commitment, verse 13. That's the words of a desperate man. Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. <laughs> I think we can uh, probably, uh, probably uh, sympathise with Moses a little bit there. But as funny as it is, it's actually also quite tragic, isn't it? He's seen all of God's power. He's had it demonstrated in front of his eyes. And yet still he doesn't trust him. And at this point, that's when God does finally get angry. Verse 14, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Despite all of God's patient promises, despite all of his loving reassurances that he was going to be with him, still Moses doubted him. God is a gracious and patient God, of course he is. But one of the great lessons of Exodus is that he calls us to obey him, no matter what he asks of us, no matter what the circumstances. And I think the Lord was teaching Moses that here. Uh, he needed to trust him and obey him. But even here, don't we, we see that in wrath the Lord remembers his mercy. At verse 14. Uh, He graciously allows Moses' brother, Aaron, to go with Moses on his mission uh, to support him. Uh, Even in the midst of Moses' doubts, God is gracious to him and still uh, uses him. Uh, Someone has wisely remarked that nobody pursues a project of faith without days of doubt. Nobody uh, pursues a project of faith without days of doubt. Uh, my guess is uh, that's probably true in your experience. It's certainly been true in my experience. I can think of a number of times in my life when I've been unsure of the way to go and have uh, been tempted to, uh, to, to put, draw back from what I thought the Lord uh, was, uh, was telling me. Uh, all of us, I'm sure, would have known days when we would have been like Moses, doubting ourselves, doubting God, doubting whether we've heard from God, doubting uh, God's promises to be with us and yet still it's the grace and the kindness of God that he uses weak people like Moses like me like you to achieve his purposes he did it with Moses he did it with uh, Timothy he did it with Gideon so many characters in the bible at uh, household names who in the world's eyes would never have been chosen to serve god he did it ultimately at the cross of course The Lord Jesus looked weak and frail and frankly ridiculous in the eyes of the world. He was crucified as a criminal. It looked like a failure. He was crucified in weakness, the Apostle Paul says, and yet he lives by the power of God. It is always the way of God to display his power in weakness. Maybe this morning you are doubting God's promises to you. Maybe you're doubting that you could ever possibly be of use to him. Uh, you feel so frail, so, so weak. Friends, be encouraged. That's always the way of our gracious God. He always uses those who feel weak. Those who are weak. Because his power is made perfect in weakness. Even in a doubting leader like Moses. A gracious God can still use a doubting Christian. That's the first obstacle, uh, Doubts. What's the second one? The second is this, and we see a gracious God can overcome a disobedient leader. A disobedient leader. Uh, Moses has the blessing of his father-in-law, Jethro, we're told, and he returns to Egypt along with his wife, Zipporah, and along with their sons. Read that verses 18 through to 20. And as they go, God promises them again. He reminds them of his promise to stretch out his hand against Pharaoh and to show his power. And yet, all of a sudden, there's a change, isn't there, in the tone of the story. Verse 24, It sort of jars, doesn't it, when we read it. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. Wow, what's going on there? That is a sudden change, isn't there, from... Uh, from all that we have seen before. Uh, It seems, as far as we can piece things together, Moses was was struck down, ill, uh, by God himself. He was on his deathbed and uh, and was about to die. Well, the reason why is clear from what follows. Uh, Verse uh, 25, uh, Moses' son had not been circumcised. Uh, Zipporah, his wife, obviously realized there was a problem uh, because she took the knife herself and completed it, even though it was supposed to be the task of the father. Uh, And once she had done that and she uh, touched Moses' feet, she'd associated him uh, with uh, that circumcision, that act. Verse 26, the Lord uh, let him alone. He was uh, was restored to health. Uh, I guess this morning we might find it very hard to understand why such a sort of apparently trivial matter, should lead to the Lord uh, raising his hand against one of his own. Especially someone like Moses, he called Moses to be his servant. Seems extraordinary, doesn't it? One minute uh, the Lord is calling him to serve, and the next moment he's threatening to put him to death. Well, the answer lies in the significance and the meaning of the rite of circumcision. Uh, the rite of circumcision uh, is first found uh, back in genesis and in genesis 17 uh, god commanded abraham one of the, the patriarchs one of the, uh, the, the great heroes of israel to circumcise himself and his descendants as a sign that they were his people uh, the story of the bible line uh, of the bible uh, shows how uh, human beings in the garden of eden turn their back on god god has said that if you uh, if you obey me uh, we can be friends. We can have a relationship. And yet human beings turned their back on God, rejected him, and so were thrown out of Eden. That should have been the end for God's people. And yet the Bible uh, storyline carries on and it shows us God graciously making a covenant with his people, uh, a covenant of grace, a promise that he would bless them in the future and he would restore them uh, to uh, what had been lost in Eden. And as a sign of uh, that covenant as a sign of his grace, and also as a kind of outward sign of his people's response to it. Uh, God asked his people to be circumcised, to circumcise uh, in every generation. So for Moses to, to not circumcise his son isn't just simply a, a case of something he's just forgotten about. It's not a kind of trivial omission that God can sort of somehow sweep under the carpet and ignore. It's a serious act of disobedience well, on one level it is a failure to take God at his word God had clearly told his people this is what they needed to do and Moses had just ignored it uh, and had, uh, had not done it it's neglect of duty but actually at a deeper level really it is contempt for God himself isn't it it's is contempt for God and his promises it's almost implying that God actually really hasn't done anything that's worthy of Moses responding to It's effectively to hear the gospel call, because that's what it is. It it finds its fulfillment in the Lord Jesus. It's for Moses to have heard the gospel and to decide, well, that doesn't really require anything of me. I'll just sort of distance myself from that. Uh, One commentator describes it as almost a sort of practical atheism, and I think that's a very good description of it. It's effectively Moses saying, well, actually, God, I I don't really need you. I can live uh, without you. A denial of his offer of blessing and salvation that the covenant uh, promises uh, look to. And I think when we begin to understand the significance of what circumcision meant uh, in God's economy, then we can start to understand why Moses' behaviour provoked that reaction uh, from God. Because for anybody to have such a, a casual disregard for God and his grace is a terrible thing. That's an attitude that a holy God can, can, can never... Uh, simply uh, put up with. He can't tolerate it. It's the same today. If we won't won't shelter under the blood of God's covenant promises that were expressed in the Lord Jesus when he died on the cross for our sin, the death that we deserved, then we can only expect to face his wrath and the full penalty that our rebellion deserves. Uh, We can only ever be made right with God through the salvation that he offers in his Son. And that's the salvation that Moses was effectively rejecting and turning his back on. That's one lesson. But there is, I think, another lesson as well. And it is that simple lesson, isn't it, that if we're hoping to serve God, then first of all, we need to be right with him. Uh, One of the great uh, Scottish revival leaders was a chap called Robert Murray Machane. He was a preacher, I think in Dundee, a, a man who was remarkably used... Uh, By God to uh, bring uh, revival uh, to that particular area. He was an amazing speaker, a a remarkable preacher, very, very gifted leader. And yet he used to say frequently that he thought his people's greatest need uh, was his own personal holiness. Far more than his kind of charisma as a leader or his competence, it was his character that mattered above all. Friends, uh, unconfessed or unrepentant sin will, will, will always prove a barrier between us and the Lord. It's always been true. Uh, we um, see in the Psalms, don't we, when King David uh, knew, knows, uh, knew that he'd sinned and walked away from the Lord, he said, surely the Lord would not listen if I'd cherish sin in my heart. Uh, a holy God looks for a holy people. That was true for Moses. It's true uh, for Robert Murray It's true for us. Uh, today. And yet, of course, undergirding all of this is God's limitless grace. Verse 26 uh, through to the end. When Moses returns to the Lord, he is restored. Uh, his relationship with the Lord is, is, is repaired. Uh, he is, uh, he, it's not because he deserved it, far from it. Uh, it is uh, because uh, of God's astounding inexhaustible grace demonstrates in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we turn back to him, he can make us new. He can restore us and he can use us again. It's that same grace I think that the Apostle Paul knew. Maybe you remember it in uh, 1 Timothy as he kind of recounts his experiences. Uh, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Uh, why? He tells us, the grace of our Lord has poured out on me uh, in abundance. Uh, whoever we are this, this morning, uh, whatever our, our level of Christian service, whatever our uh, kind of uh, experience as, as Christians, whatever place we find ourselves in the Christian life, uh, all of us should be able to say the same, I think. Because all of us have hearts that are prone to wander. All of us have hearts that are prone to uh, forget God, prone to forget His commands. Uh, All of us, I think, are tempted to think that we can press on uh, in life without any regard for God. Uh, All of us should be disqualified by rights from serving God in any way at all. And yet, just like Moses, just like Paul, it is because the grace of our Lord has been poured out on us in abundance that we can be restored and we can serve him again. Many of you, I'm sure, will be familiar with the hymn um, Amazing Grace. It was written by uh, John Newton. John Newton was uh, originally in his early life was a slave trader. He did some horrific things uh, as part of the slave trade. Uh, He came to Christ and uh, later in life was ordained and finished life as an Anglican vicar. And it's said that when he was late in life, he he got quite frail, uh, got a bit doddery, but he used to say these words. He said, I can't remember much, but I remember this. I am a great sinner but Christ is a great saviour. I'm a great sinner, but Christ is a great saviour. He knew that he had done things which were horrific things. He had so often been disobedient uh, to the call of the Lord. And yet he knew that all that he enjoyed, all the blessings, all the mercies that he found, he enjoyed them because a gracious, loving God had transformed his disobedient heart and turned them around. I think all of us should be able to say the same, shouldn't we? We are great sinners, but we have a greater saviour. <laughs> like Moses, like John Newton. A gracious, merciful God uses disobedient people for his purposes. I don't know uh, where you are this morning, what states you come to uh, worship uh, this morning. It may be that for some of us, we, we, we do have things in our past that we know are holding us back. Uh, may I encourage you not to walk away having not dealt, dealt with it. Do business with the Lord. Uh, there's going to be prayer ministry um, at the front, um, as, as always in our services. Do, uh, let me encourage you to come forward. Don't leave having not dealt uh, with this. The Lord is a gracious, loving God. He invites all of us to come to him and find forgiveness and to, uh, to be restored so that he can use us again. He is a gracious, merciful Father uh, who wants to use us and wants to restore us. Uh, I'm told that Winston Churchill uh, used to say that it's often been he thought it had often been those who had impressed him the least who had in fact influenced him the most (laughs) those who'd impressed him the least had in fact influenced him the most and we shouldn't be surprised should we really because so often it's those who are the least impressive in the eyes of the world who in fact are most influential in the hands of God because our gracious God uses imperfect people to accomplish his purposes Let's pray, shall we? Lord God, all of us will know in different ways how we have fallen short of your standards. Times when we've doubted you. Uh, Times when we've doubted whether you can possibly use us. Uh, Times when we know that we have failed you. And yet we praise you that just as that was true for Moses, so it is with us today that by your grace shown to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can transform us, you can sort us out, you can recommission us for your faithful service. We pray particularly for any this morning who you are speaking to, who know that they have fallen way short, and who just think that they could never be used by you. We do pray that they would find freedom and assurance through you and through the cross. And we pray for all of us that by your spirit, you would, um, uh, you would strengthen us, you would encourage us, you would uh, make us bold uh, to go out to be obedient to your will and to accomplish your plans and purposes. For your glory we pray. Amen.